All right, we're doing something a little bit different today and I'm gonna be in the hot seat with Annabelle Bateman of the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. Annabelle and I connected over Instagram because we both share an absolute love of thyroid healthy cooking and eating. So we had a really juicy conversation together about how to begin, where do we start as thyroid thrivers who want to utilize the way we eat to support our health? And then how do we stick with that over time? How do we make changes that stick? How do we navigate things like holidays and social situations? And how do we make sure that along the way, we're feeling like this is something we enjoy and want to be our new normal so that we can stick with it and feel well for the rest of our lives. So that's what we're gonna talk about in this replay of the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. You can find Annabelle online at annabellebateman.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, Thyroid Drivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. Well, welcome, Ginny, to the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking all things food and thyroid with you today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Annabelle. It's always fun to meet a fellow thyroid driver and foodie. So we've, we've already had lots to talk about. I feel like I know we're we have, have a I'm juicy like, right, we conversation. Hit, <laughs> we better hit record or we're going to have had all this amazing conversation. <laughs> no one right. will have heard it. Um, yeah, I know. I think we have a lot in common and... Uh, yeah, I don't doubt we're going to have lots of really fun, yummy conversation. So Ginny, are you happy to share a little bit of your thyroid story? And then then we'll dive right sure. into all the food, just a little bit, like just to give us a bit of context of, you know, how long have you known you've had a thyroid problem? How, how do you manage it? You know, what's, how, how does your thought, yeah. I, I know we could be here for three days probably because most of our thyroid <laughs> stories are not simple and say so, so simply it's difficult. Um, but yeah, the Reader's Digest version of Ginny's thyroid story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was diagnosed in 2011, really shortly after the birth of my son. I think he was about two months old uh-huh. and my doctor you know, asked me how I was doing. Of course Mm. I was exhausted. I'm up all night with a newborn and breastfeeding and all of that. Mm. So Mm. I really hadn't noticed a lot of major symptoms that I felt were strange, Mm. but she said, let's, let's run some tests, you know, let's see how like your iron's doing and your vitamin D and we'll run a thyroid test. So I'm grateful to her for doing that. And she did, you know, discover that I had postpartum hypothyroidism. Now for a lot of us who have that, you, you might come out of that. I wasn't one of those people. So, um, for the first four years, that was 2011. So for the first four years, I just, you know, got the uh, United States standard of care mm-hmm. and which was, uh, TSH testing only and treatment with levothyroxine. Mm-hmm. And I go in annually to have that tested and adjusted if need be. And every year I'd say, I don't feel like myself. I Mm. just feel tired all the time. And yeah, I'm a new mom and, you know, but this is just like, 
my brain doesn't feel like it's working like it used to. I just feel like my fire is kind of going out. And I heard what a lot of thyroid patients hear, which is so frustrating, which is just that you're getting older, you're a new mom, this is normal, your TSH is normal, and your medication is fine. So it has nothing to do with your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And it's basically all in your head. And, you know, as each year went on, it just got worse and worse to where I was sick, like almost all the time, my body just wasn't thriving. And I would get a cold, for example, and then that would turn into like, strep throat and then tonsillitis and then a double ear infection. I was on all these antibiotics. And I used to be a person who never got sick. Hmm. I'd also get laryngitis. I had several rounds of laryngitis that would last for three weeks at a time. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Whispering Mm -hmm. or not being able to talk at all for three weeks. I mean, it was it was incredibly difficult yeah. and scary because I had no idea what was going on. And of course mm. I'm like, well, my doctor told me it's all in my head. So I must be losing my mind. Mm. I must be crazy or it, I, it must be all in my head. Right. And you know what? It wasn't. Mm. And it took me really hitting rock bottom to like start doing my own research and mm. to learn, oh, I actually probably have Hashimoto's. My doctors never tested me for that. I need a complete thyroid panel and this journey that so many of us go through. Mm. And I remember, um, you know, I asked if she would run those, the tests. And so I could see, do I have Hashimoto's and all of that. And when the nurse called with the results, she said, yeah, it's just as the doctor expected. So she suspected that I had Hashimoto's like tested the vast majority of us in developed countries have Hashimoto's, but um, in the U S at least we're not tested typically because it doesn't change the, okay. It doesn't change the doctor's treatment protocol. Yeah. And that moment, I just was so done. I was so done. I remember getting in my car where nobody could hear me. And I just screamed. It was like this primal at the top of my lungs. Mm -hmm. Like I can't live. I can't go on like this. I can't be the person I want to be. I'm barely getting through the day. I'm not the mom I want to be for my son. Mm -hmm. I just don't, you know, I'm a passionate person. Like my fire was smoldering and you know, the beautiful part of that rock bottom point is you bounce right? You start coming up. And Mm. that was when I started really just dove headfirst into the research, reading every book that I could. And oh my gosh, I couldn't believe all the things I was learning that, you know, I had been told, oh, you don't need to change your diet. It won't really make a difference. Mm. You know, just eat less, exercise more, come to find out. Well, with Hashimoto's, you know, there's, a, there's a lot more to it. Diet does make a difference and mm. over-exercising. Like I was on a calorie restricted diet and over-exercising to try to maintain my weight, mm-hmm. which was really just making things worse. I had to learn about not just the food I ate, but really every aspect of my lifestyle and self-care and on and on. And while I wouldn't, you know, choose it, it ultimately was 
one of the best things that ever happened to me because it taught me so much about how to take care of myself and Mm -hmm. ignited this passion in me that, you know, was born on that day in that car with that primal scream that I can't stand the thought of anyone else going through what I went Mm -hmm. through and losing, you know, the first four years of my son's life, feeling tired all day, every day, I'll never get that back. I, that like, fuels my fire every day. Mm. And so that was transformative. And here I am, it's been five or six years when I made that shift and I got the full thyroid panel and found out I had Hashimoto's. I got a new doctor. Um, I was working with, I am still working with a naturopath here Mm -hmm. where I live in Western Montana. It was like, this is my best local choice here for holistic or functional or integrative care. Mm -hmm. And it was literally just a few months before I got my life back. And our first conversation, it was like, you need to think about your sleep, about your stress management. Number one, think about what you're eating. We're going to, you know, she taught me about anti-inflammatory eating and all this stuff. And then of course we did some root cause testing. We found some underlying root cause factors. I had gut dysbiosis. And when we started treating that with, um, really just some supplements, basically, like it was a matter of days before I got my energy back and it felt like someone had flicked the light switch in my body back on Mm. after it being off for four years. Like I didn't even think it was possible to feel like myself again. I had forgotten what that felt like to have Mm. energy, to wake up. I remember going for a run. Like I don't enjoy running. My husband was like, I've never seen you go for a run (laughs) (laughs) willingly. I'm like, I have energy again. I, I I just want to do something with it, you Mm. know? So, and and also, you know, it wasn't just how I felt. I was seeing those metrics on paper, Mm, you know, from where we started my antibodies within like six months, I had cut them in half Wow! and had cut a lot of my symptoms out. Mm. I was just feeling better. And I was so empowered Yeah, and I was listening to my body. I was learning all this stuff. And so that was really the beginning of my healing journey was was then. So, you know, 2011 initial diagnosis, 2015 was really when I think that's when my thyroid healing journey began. And when I started hypothyroid chef and then ended up, Mm. you know, doing a thyroid refresh and thyroid 30 for a while. And now back to hypothyroid chef as a health coach and a recipe developer and a thyroid advocate and, um, just a, a passionate and informed patient who wants to help others. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> I feel like I was like, yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> not all but of that, it's not, but yeah, it's not yeah. a unique story though. No, you know, it's, it's like, not. Yeah. I tell that story and people say, yep, me too. Yeah. You know, I, I know. have and not the talk- same, but similar. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. all, we all do. We all end up with a slightly unique lifestyle. But and maybe a slightly unique um, thyroid-friendly food lifestyle, and we we will dive into this. But it, but there's so many core similarities, aren't there? And a lot of core things that just are good foundations that work for most people, mm-hmm. particularly with the autoimmune element. 
Mm-hmm. It's like you say, it's all that anti-inflammatory. I just say my whole approach to life is anti-inflammatory. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's a has, perfect like way to put it. I mm-hmm. think with the autoimmune aspect, you know, it's all about reducing inflammation. So that's food, stress, exercise, sleep, you know, the way I think reducing toxins, all of that is all about reducing inflammation. So, mm-hmm. and, um, and actually I just got my, um, my, my thyroid antibodies from when they were first tested were never in the thousands. Like they've never been, you know, super, super high, but I don't think from my understanding, whether they're super high or not, doesn't matter so much as more the direction that they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, this week saw my doctor have a, I get my bloods done every three months and my thyroid antibody levels are at the cutoff now. Like, so almost below the, you know, the recommended amount. Do you know That's what I mean? like, amazing. So it's that, almost, I think you would call that remission, I think. I don't know. But almost. So it's like, I was like, it's the lowest I've ever been. And I'm like, see, it, like it just works. It does. <laughs> um, it really slow does. and steady. And like mm-hmm. we're talking years, not weeks or months, years and years. Right. But. Yeah, and it's definitely been up and down in that process and it still will be up and down. But, yeah, like you say, definitely, definitely mm-hmm. works. So let, will we dive straight into all the food and maybe we just talk first because we're going to get into some, you know, I want to have a chat with you about, well, what do you actually eat and how do you cook and some great recipe ideas and how do you approach your day and all of that. But what's your take on a thyroid-friendly diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big question. And mm. um, okay, so I'll start with like kind of the goals, I think. And this is, you know, after interviewing a lot of amazing doctors and experts mm. and nutritionists and finding that, you know, you can ask five experts and get five different answers on this, mm. but there are really some common core principles. Mm-hmm. And those principles that I feel like most experts across the board agree on are that a thyroid friendly diet is gut healing. It's anti-inflammatory, it's nutrient dense, and ultimately it's personalized. Mm, So really to what the individual needs and what their unique dietary sensitivities and triggers and things like that Mm. are there's a, you know, a lot out there about all the foods we're supposed to avoid gluten, dairy, soy, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, grains, you know, things like that. But that doesn't, there is no one size fits all thyroid diet. As we know, you can't just give that cookie cutter diet to someone and say, off you go, this will cure all your thyroid problems. (laughs) Um, If only it was that easy. (laughs) Yeah because we're all different Mm. and we all have different circumstances and personalities and, and, you know, we're all at different seasons of life. Our hormones change over time. And, you know, that one constant though, is that really, this is one of the most empowering things you can do to discover like, what is the right diet for you? And I think that those dietary templates, like going gluten-free or gluten-free dairy-free or paleo or AIP make really good starting points. 
mm-hmm. and tools to discover what are my dietary no-nos and what really serves me? What do I feel really good eating? Mm. You know, sometimes I think about what can I get away with? Like, I love cheese. I used to be a cheesemonger and I have eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I've eliminated dairy, you know, for very long stretches to do some intensive, like healing and Mm. reducing inflammation in my body and things like that. But at this point, you know, five, six years in, I also know I can have a little bit of certain kinds of cheese, like aged raw milk cheeses, a little bit of Parmesan or Asiago. I can get away with that. It's a small amount. So those are just the thing. That's just an example. I want to share that, you know, I think people can panic when they hear I'm never or start to think I'm never going to be able to eat gluten or dairy or this or that again. It, it maybe isn't never, and maybe it's just like a little bit, maybe it's really, you're going to do less, a lot less like sugar or caffeine or things like that. Mm. Um, but it really depends on the individual <clears throat> and on where you're at with your health, I think too, yeah. mm. but overall, like, as far as like what to eat, I don't want to just, I don't like to just focus on what we shouldn't eat or what yeah. the experts say we should think about avoiding. I think like the three main pillars of what we benefit from, from a food standpoint as Mm -hmm. thyroid patients is clean animal protein, like your, you know, wild caught seafood and your grass finished beef and your pastured poultry and things like that. And then lots of organic produce, especially vegetables and then healthy fats. Yeah. So that's sort of the three-legged stool okay. that, you know, makes yeah. up my diet, makes up yeah. most of my recipes. Yeah. So sort of meat and veg, meat and good fats. Yeah. Meat, veg, yeah. 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 But on hypothyroid chef, all my recipes are gluten-free, all are dairy-free. If I ever do have like a little Parmesan sprinkle, there's always like, here's an alternative you yeah. can use or, mm. you know, I do mostly paleo. I do a lot of autoimmune protocol because those templates give us that starting point. They give us a common language and they make it easier to search for recipes. Yeah. 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 I often say if you search for paleo, it's kind of, it, that, that's the way I search for recipes. And when I did my cookbook, it's, I wanted to, originally it was going to be called paleo. It was sort of, I wrote it right when paleo was pretty big, you know, it was pretty popular. There were pa- around, at least in uh, Australia, there were paleo cafes popping up. Now they seem mm-hmm. to have gone. I didn't end up calling it that because I've got a couple of recipes in the end that are like Christmas favorites that aren't, in, you know, like my Rocky road, there's like, definitely not sugar-free, definitely, you know, you know, like, but in the end, I think I just called it gluten, gluten, dairy, sugar-free, you know, mostly mm-hmm. sugar-free, but it's, yeah. And it's paleo-ish. Like I would say my diet is right. paleo-ish. And when I share mm-hmm. recipes, they're, they're paleo, but I would eat paleo-ish is how, is how I describe it. Right. Yeah, because I think you're right. It's a good, they're good way, good search terms, good ways to, you know, you're going to at least find gluten and dairy free if you're looking for paleo. Mm-hmm. Um, the autoimmune paleo is, is that's a tougher road, isn't it? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But warranted, I think, you know, for some people at some points, and I've certainly used it several times, Mm. the autoimmune paleo or AIP um, as, you know, a means to an end. Yeah. 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 And I've found like, and I think this is part of the finding a unique diet. Like I've certainly found like paleo as a general principle works well for me, but like at the moment, I'm just backing off on the almonds and like it's too many nuts. Sometimes it's a quantity mm-hmm. thing with some of those extra things that come out in the autoimmune, like the, you know, the eggs, nuts, seeds, nightshades. Eggs I seem okay with, nightshades hit and miss, you know, raw tomatoes okay, cooked tomatoes aren't, capsicum no, you know. So mm-hmm. nuts are okay, but if I have too many of them and if I've made too many, you know, nice almond milk cakes, <laughs> um, then... right then my digestion is out and I, you know, so yeah, Yeah. it's it's the tweaking around the edges, isn't it? And like you Mm -hmm. said before, sometimes it depends like, and I've done years and years and years of gut healing too, but if you haven't, like maybe you can't be expecting to be able to play around too much on the edges too soon. (laughs) But yeah. And it changes over time with you're stressed or you're not stressed or you um is it christmas time is it not christmas time is it um yeah we've got lots of birthdays and celebrations or you know like and so it just goes those little ebb and flows yeah and i think that's like another you know perfect example of what a bio individual or personalized thyroid healthy diet looks like you've mm. you've been on this road for a while and it's not it's not a 30 day thing yeah it's lifelong and and really it's ultimately for not just your thyroid but for your overall health and longevity and feeling vibrant and having that healthy glow and all of that so Mm. it's just that mindset shift of this is how I want to eat because this is how I want to feel and you know things like um reduce greatly reducing dairy in my diet eliminating gluten it's like I'm happy to do that now. I don't really feel compelled to want to eat those things because Mm. I know what it does. And when you start to connect those dots, because you've done that process of making those dietary eliminations, giving your body the time it needs to heal. And then when it's time reintroducing those foods and you can see pretty clearly, oh, when I do this, this happens in my body. And now I just feel like it, certain foods lose their appeal Mm. when you can tell and know very clearly that they're not agreeing with you. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, something I try to stress with people is any kind of elimination, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be forever. I know there are certain foods like gluten where it seems like most experts recommend all thyroid patients just eliminate gluten across the board. You know, there's also thyroid patients who anecdotally say, I don't really feel like I need to do that. I don't see the benefit. So just, you know, reiterating that it is different for each person. Mm. Um, But yeah, getting there, it it takes time and it takes that process. Mm. But the ultimate goal is to reintroduce and have a more diverse diet. And I think like you, where I'm at now, because I'm not having like a major gut issue or, you know, I'm feeling pretty good these days, I have a little bit more wiggle room. Yeah. 
And I try to think of this, like, like think of this, like wearing a loose fitting garment, you know, where uh, I can enjoy a little bit more dietary freedom. And I find that that makes things like socializing or the holidays a little bit less stressful. Yeah. I've also had holidays and seasons, you know, the longest I've done on the elimination phase of the autoimmune protocol was six months. Oh, that, yeah, it's And yeah. that's a lot of cooking. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of dietary restriction. It's also a lot of healing. I mean, it was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And I was doing this with the help of my naturopath because um, like another, you know, gut flora imbalance had come up that I was really like trying to to, um, to address. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we made this plan and it was like the holidays. And she said, don't do this through the holidays. We can, you know, you're okay. You can wait until after Mm -hmm. Christmas to start this and, you know, things like that I thought were good advice. So I had that time to kind of wrap my head around it Mm. and, um, plan, get my family ready, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, um, you know, working with people wanting to transition towards a thought, I'm just going to call it a thyroid friendly diet. (laughs) Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Are you happy with that too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I know for me, and it sounds like for you, there's a, you know, there's, there's research and reading and understanding why and getting your head around it. There is a lot of mindset isn't there in terms of, and maybe grieving process. Mm -hmm. So do you sort of um, recommend diving all in or doing it gradually or how, like, how do you suggest people transition uh, quickly, slowly, or somewhere in between to a thyroid friendly diet when they have just been eating kind of normal, like let's say normal. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like a standard, you know, standard everything diet. Yeah. Here we call it the st- the sad diet, the standard American diet. Yeah, it works. The standard Australian <laughs> diet works. Exactly. Oh, it's right, right. That's exactly oh, the same. Gosh. Same, same um, the acronym works. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I hadn't mm. thought of that. Yeah. Great question. Because I think this is where people get hung up. Like I'm overwhelmed. Where do I even Correct. begin? Yeah. And this is one thing I learned after running so many seasons of thyroid 30, which was like this 30 day wellness adventure. Mm-hmm. And everyone was sort of on their own path. I mean, that's a thing. We're all at different points mm-hmm. on our healing journey. Some of us are both just starting out. Some of us may be years down the road. And, you know, I think first of all, you speaking with your healthcare practitioner and making a collaborative decision with them based on like test results and having a clear picture of everything that's going on in your body, all the, at least looking at like the main culprits, you know, how's your gut doing? How are your micronutrients? How are your, you know, all your thyroid labs, not just TSH. Let's look at everything and kind of talk about, you know, with a medical professional, like where should I start? Because that comes back to like, where am I at with my health? We certainly, you know, would and still hear from people who are like bedridden and really can't function and they're in a more serious health crisis. And I think in those scenarios, it's worthwhile to think about taking that all in huge leap and talking to a nutrition, a functional nutritionist or, you know, your holistic healthcare practitioner about. I think, you know, I'm ready to do 
the autoimmune protocol, I really want to do some more intensive healing. If that's where you're at, I feel like that's really worth considering researching and talking to your healthcare provider about. If you're not there, if you're more like, you know, I feel pretty okay, but I feel like I could feel better and I want to feel better. I'm a huge believer in the baby step approach. Mm -hmm. Huge believer. And I've used both, you know, at different stages and depending on how my health, you know, it's, it's that, you know, journey, right. Things change over time. Um, when you take the baby step approach, it's easier on your nervous system. You're less likely to trigger that fight or flight response. When we do something like when we do whole 30 for 30 days, which is very similar to paleo, they're like almost identical really. And we have this mindset of I'm only doing this for 30 days and I'm just going to totally deny myself all these foods, cold Turkey. Hmm. And I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Cause I know, I mean, I believe in paleo and yeah. whole 30. And you, you know, I use yeah. that, Yeah, but it's that mindset piece of, I'm only doing this for mm-hmm. a set amount of time. And I'm just going to deny myself all this stuff and I'll override my, the emotional piece, mm. you know, and things like that. We're less likely to stick with those changes. I mean, this is just the science of successful habit change. Smaller steps are more sustainable period. So I, I find that while I've used those more intensive healing diets for periods of time to do more concentrated healing, my overall journey has been one of a lot of baby steps. And it took me, you know, just starting with thinking about eliminating gluten, it took me a couple months to even be ready to do that. I absolutely cried tears. I was a chef. I, you know, and I ate healthy. I felt like I ate healthy. I've always been a big proponent of whole foods, organic foods, homemade, mm-hmm. non-processed, all of that. But I was still eating everything, you know, gluten, dairy, sugar, etc. And I remember bursting into tears at a restaurant, looking at the menu and going, mm-hmm. all these favorite things that I can't mm-hmm. have anymore. And this is my identity. Mm. This is my livelihood. It changed my career. I was working as a cooking instructor and I had to start Uh. turning down classes because I was like, I can't test and prepare Mm. all these recipes that I can't eat. I'm trying to make changes for my health. So Mm. there, I'm glad that you brought up that emotional aspect because I think that we have to give ourselves some grace when possible Mm. with these big life transitions, because really thyroid healthy eating and thyroid healthy living, it's, this is a lifelong journey. Yeah. And there's so many gifts to it. Mm. And I like that that baby step approach takes that growth mindset that this is the long run. Mm -hmm. This isn't just for 30 days. Yeah. And maybe I'm going to start with gluten. And then I'll start thinking about dairy and then I'll start looking at my sugar and then I'm going to look at Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. caffeine intake, or I'm going to not drink alcohol at all anymore, or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And our bodies sort of tell us over time, I think too, like, I know I find myself going, 
this is really bothering me. I feel like I'm kind of on a slippery slope with, you know, drinking a little bit too much caffeine. I really want to focus on this for a while and pair back and doing that just feels less overwhelming and easier to wrap my head around. And then I've been able to stick with those changes to Mm. where now it's like, this is my new normal. Yeah. It doesn't take so much effort. It's just, my family's used to it. I'm used to it. It's the groceries we buy. It's the recipes I prepare and share on hypothyroid chef. Like this is how I live. So, um, so it's yeah, a lifestyle, it becomes part of it really is a lifestyle. Yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably similar. I, I've, I, my, I can be a little bit all or nothing, my personality. So sometimes the all in hardcore stuff works mm-hmm. for a time, like as it almost is a bit of a reset. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like an ease out and I, like, it's a bit like a ah, relax. And then oh, hold on a minute. I've relaxed a bit not relax too much, but like a few things that I've creeping in that I'm Mm -hmm. not feeling good. Okay. I'm going to just tighten it up a bit, but over time that I'm probably not going as far out as I used to. And, you know, I'm just sort of living a little closer to that. What works for me, but Mm -hmm. similar to you, like I um, run 30 day challenges, but I've started, I've changed it a bit in the last couple of years and I've switched it to it's, I call it now kickstart your thyroid friendly lifestyle. And it's not just about mm-hmm. the food. It's also about the mindset and, and it's a kickstart. So don't see this mm-hmm. as it's just ends on day 31. It's it, this is a, to kickstart. And if, and if all I'm going to share is sort of paleo ish, but if just giving up gluten is a first, that's fine. You just do that. Like, yeah. If that's um, where you're at, that's meet where yourself at, you where you that. are. And, mm-hmm. and I've got uh, one lady who, who does, like I run it as a group two to three times a year. And I've got one lady that's done the last few. And this time she, she's like, I'm just giving up. She, I really feel like I need to give up coffee. I've, I know I've got some adrenal issues. So coffee and the, uh, yeah, that she had with almond milk. It's the only change she'd made because she was already kind of gluten dairy free. She said, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I've got so much more energy. She said, I've actually lost a couple of kilos, which I wasn't expecting. Um, my reflux is gone. And she said, and it's been really great. And she, but that's that I've already done all of that healing and the, the other changes are already part of it. Now I'm just tweaking it. And I said, Wait, right. isn't this lovely? We can just get to the point where it's just about tweaking it. And I'll, actually, I do feel better when I do that, but it yeah. takes often years to get to that point. And so just understanding that mindset, as you say, that it just, it's a journey, it's a process <laughs> and yeah. it just but when you've got that mindset that, well, I'm living, I've got to live like this for the rest of my life. Like I have to live with my thyroid health, mm-hmm. hopefully being good forever. So I don't have to get all of this right within a month. Like I, Absolutely. I can actually take some time. It's actually going to take a few, probably a few years to really kind of get in the groove and find what works and do some healing. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. I so- couldn't agree more. And I love that approach to your 30 day challenges of let's kickstart your, you know, thyroid healthy diet and lifestyle. And that's with thyroid 30, the way we approach that, because it was like a concentrated 30 days, you're playing on a team and you're um, scoring yourself on all these aspects of thyroid, healthy eating Mm -hmm. and living. And the way we sort of approached it was 
this is an opportunity for you to really do some focused healing and to put more energy and effort and intention Mm. into it so you can make more progress. Mm. But when the real work begins is when the 30 days are up and then you, you continue this Mm. and you assimilate this into your lifestyle and you make it your new normal so that the body can like, I mean, body, mind, spirit, everything can adapt to those changes. Mm. And then, yeah, you get to that point where it doesn't take so much effort. Now I'm going to build on that. And that's the beauty of, you know, the stepping stone approach. I've done, um, you know, the times that I've done really strict, uh, like autoimmune protocol, I've run into this challenge where when I'm done, you know, when I I like even that six months, Mm. you know, that's a long time to do something and you get used to it. And it's like, I'm going to totally stick with this, you know, and, and, but then the six months is up (laughs) and yeah, you're kind of ready to like go. It's hard to like stick with that, you know, and real, and obviously, you know, any autoimmune protocol expert will tell you the elimination phase is not meant to be long-term. The goal is, Mm. you know, to go through those reintroduction phases and all of that. But um, yeah, yeah, it can be hard. I think with that all in approach, not to when it's done, just go back to where you were before or, or, you know what, I don't want to like diminish, um, the progress people make doing that because Mm. sure, maybe I backslid on a lot of things, but I still, it's like that, um, you make a big leap and then maybe you come back down a little bit, but you're still, you're not where you started. You still made a lot of progress. So yeah. Yeah, you know, there's more yeah. than one way to do this. Completely. And I think yeah. just honoring your own journey and letting yeah. it be what it needs to mm. be for you. Yeah, is yeah. the most important thing and letting it be okay, if just going gluten free right now for you, because that's, that's that massive. was most yeah. of the people, you <laughs> yeah. know, I health coached were yeah. just going gluten free for the first yeah. time. And even that is a huge step for a lot of people when you're doing that for the first time. Yep, completely. Yeah. And so how do you do that? How, how did you do that, the gluten-free? And like, let's talk some food because I mm-hmm. think you're right. That sort of seems to be, I mean, personally, I've probably because I did the gluten first, I found the dairy harder <laughs> to give up. Uh-huh. But um, I do think for most people going gluten-free just sounds overwhelming. What on earth do I eat, particularly for breakfast? How do I give up bread? What do I, you know? So mm-hmm. maybe can you give us some either some replacement ideas or like, what do you eat for breakfast? Like what, what, what's your, how do you, how do you, rec- yeah, I don't know. How do we do go gluten-free on a right. food basis? Like, assuming we've yeah. got the headset, the mindset, like what, what are the practical bits? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the pitfalls of going gluten-free for the first time is we can um, want to replace all the gluten containing foods that we're used to just across the board. So instead of eating, you know, pizza, now we're just going to do gluten-free pizza and we're going to do gluten-free bread and waffles Mm -hmm. and pancakes and pasta and bagels and on and on and on. And there's, Mm -hmm. um, I think that those foods can really serve a purpose and giving us some freedom and some wiggle room. Like I know the holidays are coming up. Right. And I absolutely have 
a bag of like a measure for measure gluten-free flour blend that enables me to do something like make a batch of my grandmother's Christmas cookies and eat them without um, violating my dietary hard line, which is gluten, you know? And so I think foods like that can serve a purpose, but when we just trade across the board and all of a sudden now we're just eating all the gluten-free versions of the same foods, we kind of cheat ourselves out of the benefit because a lot of those foods are still kind of hard on the gut. There's a lot of funky starches and things that are difficult to digest. And we're really, one of the best things about going gluten-free is replacing some less nutrient dense staples with more nutrient dense staples. Um, so I think that mindset piece is big with gluten in that, like adopting some new ways of eating, like right now in the Northern hemisphere, it's getting chilly and I almost always have some kind of soup in the fridge. It's like soups are my you know, salads of the, the cold weather months in the summer, but always, almost always got like a bottle or two of homemade vinaigrette or salad dressing. And I've got the salad spinner with the clean salad greens ready to go. And there's some grilled chicken in there and things that I can just throw together because Mm. trust me, I'm not waking up and like cooking this massive home cooked, like, you know, from scratch, gluten-free breakfast every morning. Um, what do I need? Me- yeah. Needing the bread. Needing the, <laughs> needing yeah. The bread. Yeah. Well, what do you eat? What would be, a, what would be a typical breakfast for you, Ginny? Yeah. So I really love, and you know, again, this kind of goes back to that mindset thing of mm. sort of letting go of some of our old ideas about mm. what breakfast is, yeah. you know, the Danish, the, the sugary yogurt, the, um, yeah. The cereal and toast cereal yeah. with the cow's milk poured over it, you know, things yeah. like that. You know, now I might do something like, um, I make, uh, big batches of homemade sausage, breakfast sausage, and I'll make those patties. I might do that on the weekend. And that's one like just practical tip that I think is really helpful is maybe just thinking about like one day a week where you do a little bit of extra cooking of foods that you can eat, you know, for you, for your family, if, Mm. if they're on your same plan or whatever, but I try to do at least a little bit of batch cooking every weekend. Mm -hmm. So say I make like a big batch of breakfast sausage and then I've got, you know, three pounds of that. Is is breakfast Mm -hmm. sausage? Cause we don't use that term in Australia, but is that minced meat? Like um, ground? Yeah. And do you make it into a, like a hamburger patty? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we would call yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. We would probably just call that a hamburger patty, <laughs> a sausage. Okay. Like in a, in the sausage casing and it's in the casing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this is like a, yeah. So like a ground meat with herbs, you know, fresh herbs, yeah. maybe some garlic, make it really savory. And then I cook that up and I can mm. freeze those Yeah. and reheat those for breakfast mm. at, with, you know, a couple handfuls of some greens if the weather's cold, I might wilt the greens, have a little sausage, a couple handfuls of maybe some fresh blueberries. Maybe I drizzle a little olive oil over the top. Um, so really like still whole foods, but basic and quick and easy too. Mm, mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's a favorite breakfast of mine. Um, I also really like, you know, especially in the cold weather breakfast soups. Mm. Um, I just put one up on the site not too long ago. That was uh, lemony zucchini basil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That just sounds nice. It sounds clean. Yeah. Fresh. And then you yeah. can have, you know, your gut healing bone broth in mm. there and the fresh herbs mm. and the lemon. And, you know, it's like something that feels really good to drink in the morning. I can mm. heat it up and put it in a to-go mug and drink it while I'm taking my son to school before I get to work for the day. If I'm busy, mm. I can, or drink it at my desk or, um, so I really like breakfast soups, but yeah, it took, it takes a while to sort of get used to some of those ideas and also yeah. just leftovers. I think, mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I cook like once a day. I'm not necessarily wanting to, or trying to cook, you know, and I mean like cook, cook, like in the kitchen, making a mess with all the dishes, you know, three times a day, oh, but we yeah, do no. that once a day. And I always try to have leftovers of something mm-hmm. that I can then turn around and make into breakfast and lunch the next day. Yeah. So getting rid of some of those preconceived ideas of what is breakfast food, lunch food, dinner food, and it's just food <laughs> that mm-hmm. you can have at any time of day yeah. is, is a helpful re, um, mindset shift, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find that I look, I love, I actually do really love breakfast and, mm-hmm. and I can eat sort of breakfast at and often do at breakfast time or lunch time. Uh, and so I, I can do the same. I can have some leftovers, but I make a really nice grain-free muesli that's, you know, mm. coconut and nuts and seeds and, you know, that sort of thing. And so often I will have that for lunch. Like I'll often have an egg and maybe some paleo piece of toast or um, I've made some nice waffles like sweet potato. It's really just sweet potato and egg, um, but yeah. like savory waffles, I guess. Um, nice with an egg and some wilted greens for breakfast, but I'm just as likely to have that for lunch because I work from home. I can do that. And I'm, I'm not, like you say, getting everything out. It's fairly quick and easy or having right. the, yeah, like the in the winter again, I guess the bone broth. So having the salad ready, you know, just mm-hmm. you can just get yeah. a handful of greens out. It doesn't have to be fancy salad, <laughs> just a handful right. of greens and um Well, I love the waffle idea too. I do like some gluten-free waffles. I think I've got one on the site. That's like a pumpkin spice waffle Mm. with chocolate chips. And the thing I love about waffles, that's a perfect example of like a weekend batch cooking. You know, Mm. my son might like just his plain regular waffles. And I'll, I'll tell you, my husband and son are not really interested in being gluten or dairy free. They're just not so, and they'll happily eat, you know, my gluten-free things that I make, but I might make like a different something for them and, um, freeze. Like that's the great thing about waffles. You can freeze them. Mm. So making a big batch of waffles. And then I, you know, will do a batch of like, just recently I did a batch of buckwheat waffles Mm. Um, which is an awesome gluten-free flour. You, you have to blend it with some other, um, you can't do like a hundred percent buckwheat flour. I had to mix it with some of that measure for measure, but that's something that, you know, not every day, but I can pull out of the freezer, put in the toaster. I'll do some avocado. I might put a little like, uh, that seaweed sesame shake on oh, yeah. it. It's kind mm-hmm. of salty just for seasoning and, mm. um, 
yeah. So things like that are really nice because breakfast is a challenge because we're in such a rush. So many of us, yeah. it's not something that we need to be convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And if you got, like, if you were to sort of open your fridge now, like what would be the things that we would typically see in your yeah. fridge? Right now, like right this minute, well, I will tell you exactly what's in there. <laughs> okay. So I'm, um, have, uh, I made a big batch last weekend of this Italian minestrone soup with, there's no pasta in it, it, but it's made with, um, some ground Italian sausage, kale, carrots, fennel. Um, I did put some white beans in there. I do a little beans from time to time, just tons of veggies. And, um, I've eaten that for breakfast. I've eaten that for lunch. We (laughs) had it for dinner a couple nights, really delicious. There's kale in there, just so easy. And it makes like a pretty big pot. So that's really nice. We also have some, um, leftover toasted quinoa. I do eat gluten-free grains occasionally. Mm -hmm. And, um, yesterday for lunch, I took some of the quinoa and some of this like really hearty vegetable rich minestrone and mix those together. So it was more like, a. um, like a pilaf almost. That was delicious. Mm. Last night for dinner, we had roast chicken and put that on a bed of veggies, like, you know, carrots and fennel and celery root and garlic. And, um, just put the chicken right on top of that bed of veggies, pop it in the oven for, you know, a little over an hour and you've got a one pan dinner and, leftovers. That's what I had for lunch today was leftover roast chicken and vegetables. And, Mm. oh, I love that. Especially this time of year. I know it's not like a big summertime uh, thing that we make, but in the warmer months, like, you know, where you guys are just coming into summer right now, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the warmer months, it would be similar. Just look a little different, you know, like I mentioned the, you know, there might be some some grilled meats in there, uh, leftover mm. from dinner. We gr- grill a lot of vegetables. We have a lot of salads, um, things like that. So a yeah. lot more, I love warm weather cooking because it's so simple. There's so little, you really have to do to it because there's so much fresh food that's in season. Yeah. And I always say, you know, just give me like some garlic, some really good extra virgin olive oil and like some fresh herbs and done. That's pretty much that. And like some, you know, clean animal protein and veggies and, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. Does it? It does not. uh, I mean, it look, even from as a, as a non-chef, what watching all those, you know, kind of cooking shows on TV, you think, oh, it does. I mean, obviously some of them are ridiculously complicated, but a lot of it is just simple food. Just Very. quality ingredients cooked, you know, cooked beautifully. It's just simple mm-hmm. and presented nicely. Like I think, um, look, not not every meal you eat has to look like it's going to end up in a cookbook. But I, I do think I like. I don't just like to slap it on the plate. I like it, I like it to look a little bit nice because we do eat with our eyes. And yeah. um, I think, yeah, but it can just be simple, like you say. Onion, onion, garlic, olive oil, herbs and spices. Right. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that makes me think about the family thing too. You know, I'm cooking for a kind of finicky 10 year old 
and a husband who, you know, absolutely supports my dietary goals, but who's also just going to eat whatever he wants, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so, um, just an example, like what's one of our kind of staple meals. We love burger night. Burgers are probably my son's like number one favorite thing to eat. So for me, burger night is deluxe burger salad night. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. But I'm just tweaking it a little bit because, you know, my son wants the bun and he wants the cheese and he, you know, and he can have that. And I feel like, I actually feel like when I make my burger salad and I do it up with, you know, bacon and diced avocado and caramelized onions. And, Mm. you know, I make like the special sauce and everything. I feel like they're missing out. Like (laughs) I never feel like anymore, like, oh, they get to eat what they want. And I have to have Mm -hmm. this, you know, compromise meal. I don't feel that way at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's what I try to share a lot of on hypothyroid chef are those like real world recipes. This mm. is what we eat. You know, yeah. I always well, tell people yeah. don't, don't get yeah. intimidated by the whole chef thing. Yeah. It's not rocket science. It's yeah. just cooking mm. and yeah. it yeah. can be simple and simple. The simple stuff is the best stuff. Yeah. And look, I agree. Like my family, I've got three teenage boys. So we go through a lot of food um, and a husband. So uh, we there's a huge amount oh, of food wow. that gets cooked in our oh house. Oh my gosh, yeah. three teenagers! Wow, yeah, so they're 18, 15, and 13, three teenage boys. Oh so, my gosh. yeah, there's a lot of food that gets consumed in our house. Yeah, um, and none of them, uh, my eldest son is sort of he's been doing a gluten free mostly <laughs> diet for a couple of months, um, but generally, like, they don't eat, you know, I'm the one that same like in your in your family but I'll just do yeah that variation so we actually had steak sandwiches for dinner last night so just like the burger and burgers are yeah. a common meal in our house too it's the one one of the uh-huh. few meals that no one complains about you know and right and I bought some nice sourdough buns for all of them to have their steak sandwich my oldest son who's the one going gluten-free he's was working last night so he wasn't home and I just had my steak sandwich with the salad and yeah. well, sandwich, no sandwich, but right. yeah, the steak with the salad and it was still delicious. And I've just got to use a knife and fork instead of my fingers. And I looked at all the bread and it looked nice, but you know, like, oh, that would be sit. I know that that would just sit heavy in my tummy. Oh but, yeah. It but doesn't it was even in, appeal. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't even appeal. And so like they're easy. There are some really easy tweaks so that I'm not yeah. cooking, like you're saying, not cooking two separate meals Although when mm-hmm. they were littler, I'd be more inclined to do that. But yeah, not too, but just, mm-hmm. yeah. Like they right. might eat the gluten-free pasta. Like I don't buy, I'll buy gluten-free pasta for them, but I'll just have whatever they're having with pasta on a whole bed of salad greens or mm-hmm. um, zucchini noodles or cauliflower rice right. or something like that instead of the pasta or the rice. So yeah. Same, core or even if I'm making like a creamy chicken pasta which is one of my kids favorites I'll just pull Mm. out my part of the chicken (laughs) before Mm -hmm. I add the cream yeah it's not oh that sounds so good yeah and you know my son's still he's growing up so too fast but you know he's still in that like little kid kind of phase where 
one thing we do, you know, my husband, and I will love to do like a Thai curry with coconut milk mm. or like a stir oh, yeah. fry with all the that. ginger no, and the, yeah. the tons of veggies and the sauce. And we love to like mm. make the stir fry sauce and all of that, mix it all up in the, in the same pan. Well, my son might oftentimes he'll prefer like that, but just sort of broken down. Like he always says, I want my veggies raw and crunchy. I don't want them cooked and they still do that. I still have a platter of the chopped carrot, cucumber, tomatoes, you know, snow peas. Right. We might, they're just starting to even do the whole toss salad. So often I will have a bit of a toss salad and the vegetable platter so uh-huh. mine haven't quite outgrown yeah. that where your 10 year old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're kind of in that, like in yeah. between where we, yeah. like he just had salad the other mm. night with dinner, you know, with like dressing on it. And my yeah. husband and I were so excited. Like, <laughs> oh, he's eating salad, but <laughs> yeah. just, you know, like on those nights where we're making something that's a little mm. bit more um, like spicy or saucy mm, or all yeah. mixed together, like little kids often don't like, yeah. mm. I wouldn't make a separate meal for him as much as just break down what we're having. So he's got his chicken, then he's got some carrot sticks and some broccoli Mm. spears and some, you know, peppers and, you know, maybe they're having rice and I've got like cauliflower rice to have my stir fry on, or it's Mm. just those little tweaks that feel really doable. They don't take a ton of extra time. Everybody's happy. Um, yeah, you know, people might say, Oh, well you have to make rice and cauliflower rice. Sure. But then I've got like leftover, you know, I can take Mm. that leftover cauliflower rice and turn that into breakfast the next morning with, you know, yeah, just a little bit of, I just love like all the odds and ends of leftovers from the fridge and Mm. (laughs) putting different concoctions together for breakfast and lunch and things like that. Yeah. Um, look, I think we could we could keep talking for ages, but I know it's nearly your dinner time. <laughs> Can I ask you one one more question? Is that have you got time sure. for one more? Um, of course. So let's talk. Can we talk sweet treats? Uh-huh. <laughs> because yeah. I think that's the other area that people really struggle with. Is yeah, is the dessert? Um, even if we just focused on dessert and this, you know, sweet treats. Like, what do you do with? I know we we want to minimize that, but what, what do you do? Or have you got a couple of ideas or easy switches or favorite recipes for like a nice dessert or a sweet treat? Yeah. Well, anything with chocolate I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just was this other, the other day, you know, we just had Halloween. So there's like Halloween candy everywhere. And I think of it as like temptation mitigation, right. And a life with no treats. It's like, that's just Mm -hmm. sad. I want treats sometimes (laughs) too. You know? Yeah. Of course you gotta, it's like the whole gluten-free junk food thing. You gotta avoid Mm -hmm. the pitfall of just, Oh, I'm eating all these paleo desserts. See, I'm paleo now just having paleo desserts all the time. Yeah. That's not, not probably not going to get you where you want to be with your health goals. Right. But I think it is important to have those, those treats. Right. Mm. So, um, there's a recipe on my site for pecan date dreams, I call them, but I really think of it as like, uh, like a candy bar replacement. It tastes like, a um, well, I'm thinking 
you probably don't have this in Australia, but Snickers bars. It's oh, like no, we caramel do have Snickers. and peanut. Yep. Okay. Yep, Snickers. It's kind of like a Snickers and an almond joy, like met mm. and had a baby. And it's so simple <laughs> <Yum>. because <laughs> yeah, it you takes 20 minutes. Yeah, that sounds good. I take a date and I make a slit in it and take the pit out. So it's just like a little like a baked Gel. potato, right? Yeah. Split open. And then for the filling, I take coconut butter and blend it up with a little bit of um, pecans. And I put a little cinnamon in there. And I think a little bit of maple syrup for sweetener. And that's the filling. That's what I think of as like the, the candy bar nougat filling. Uh, yeah. And then I put a pecan half on top. And then I just drizzle that with a little bit of melted dark chocolate that's, you know, dairy-free, soy-free. Mm. Mm. And I love, you know, the sweet, salty combo. So I almost always sprinkle a little bit of flaky uh-huh. sea salt on top. And they're just, it's like the perfect two bite size. Mm. I, you can make 20 of them in 20 minutes, put them in the fridge. You can freeze them if you, you know, if you don't want to have them in the fridge, mm. but Things like that are what help me feel like I get to have a treat too. I feel good about, you know, the healthier aspects of this. Yes, it's a little higher in sugar and not something I should eat, you know, all day long, but I feel satisfied and Mm. it's helping me not raid my son's Halloween candy. Yeah, fair. Yeah. 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 Look, I, I, I love dates. Um, the, the medjool, you know, you're talking about the, oh, yeah, the big so medjool good. dates. In fact, when, when our uh, supermarket has them, they, they have them in the big, bo- like five kilo boxes. And every now and again, they they do a big sale, like $10 a kilo or something. And I'll just buy a whole a whole box. So at the moment we've got a, like a spare fridge and I've got a whole box and they last for months. So, you know, like, Oh yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you've got to have the space, but yeah, and I use them in a lot. And I must, I don't know, have you got that date recipe on your Instagram? Yeah, Maybe. I think I just posted yeah. that. Maybe I saw that because I went and like, oh, that's it. Maybe because it could have been on your thing that I was looking at. I made something similar. So I'm like, oh, did I get it from you? Or did, where did I, you sort of huh. lose track where you get the ideas from. Yeah, but something sure. Not quite the same, but similar with the splitting the day to put a bit of peanut, just peanut butter in it. And then just mm-hmm. um, made some chocolate with the cacao butter and the raw cacao and maple syrup. And then just oh, kind of dipped the whole date in the chocolate mm-hmm. and sprinkled it with coconut. And um, so, Yum. yeah, but dates, I can... When, when you put them, do you put them in the freezer? Like I'll freeze the dates and then it's like a chewy caramel. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh yeah. 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 And I saw your, um, I think I was looking at your cookbook. You, I am a sucker for mint chocolate, anything uh, you had this like chocolate bark stuff that had yeah. it. I, th- I want to say it was like a pistachio and mint filling in between like two layers of chocolate. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I think, oh. Uh, Oh. I'm gonna have to try to try to find it and yeah. make that. It looked amazing. Oh, uh, I know. It, yes, I do know. It was the, it was a mince like a mint slice. I don't think it had pistachios yes. in it, but yeah, mint uh, slice. Yeah, was I thought, it like? Yeah, a mint I thought there slice. was some kind of nut in there. Maybe not. But uh, no, it could have been. A, yeah, it definitely would have had some sort of nut in there. But yeah, I love chopped mint too. A yeah. couple of drops of peppermint essential oil and oh, yum. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. So yeah. yeah, so we can still have those those sort of treats and yeah. Um, I, I like smoothies too, and I know that's not necessarily like a treat thing, but um, I you know there's some. This is one of those areas where like different experts feel differently. Some experts are more you know cautionary about. We'll be careful about how much fruit you eat, and I get that the sugar can be hard on our, our microbiome, especially if we're dealing with things like candida overgrowth mm. and things like that. Mm. But I know that I feel better. I think from the vitamin C of like, especially like a berry smoothie mm. and I'll mix it up with, um, coconut water, or maybe a little like light coconut milk. And mm. I'll put my collagen powder in there and fruit is it's there's so much about (laughs) it that's so good for us there's so much fiber and nutrients Mm. and I notice when I'm starting to like when my sweet tooth is kind of flaring if I have you know a smoothie in the afternoon or something like that Mm. sort of scratches that itch without having to make like a dessert per se Mm. just have some fruit you know um And always, you know, mixing that, trying to counter that like sugar blast with some protein, either, you know, in the smoothie somehow or alongside it. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I find that smoothies kind of help too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went through lots of smoothies in the past and then I was like, oh, I, that was probably more when I was having like your whey based protein powders. And I'm like, what sort of mm-hmm. protein powder do I use? And yeah. so I think I've switched now to the collagen, a bit like you just said, mm-hmm. the collagen powder yeah. in t- instead of a protein, like a, you know, whey based right. protein powder. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I've definitely had stages where I've had smoothies lots for breakfast, not so much recently, but I do like a good smoothie. Now coming into summer, I'm probably more likely to have a smoothie or, or mm-hmm. like I'll just whiz up frozen fruit and to make like a fruit ice cream. And sometimes I'll just have that with the sprinkling of, you know, the muesli that I make. And that's a nice dessert. Oh, yum. Like frozen yes. banana whipped up uh-huh. like in the therm. Do you have... Um, a Thermomix. Do you know what a Thermomix? Uh, yeah, is? I have a Vitamix. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So blend it up in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It just makes like a ice cream. It's sort of creamy. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I love that, and I've totally done that, and it's so mm-hmm. easy, and it's amazing how much it is like ice cream, and it's like there's no sugar, there's no sweetener. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just the fruit. Yeah, just the fruit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do put um, collagen. I. I've been really on a collagen kick and trying to see like what happens if I have this daily. Mm. So I've been putting it. Yeah. I haven't done that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been putting it in, in my morning tea and you know, it does help a lot with, I think skin and hair Mm. and things like that. Mm. But one thing I recently learned about that as um, a protein source is that it isn't actually a complete protein. It doesn't have all eight essential amino acids for your body to turn it into muscle, basically. Okay. So while it does add some protein to your smoothies and drinks mm. um, without like some actual, you know, animal protein, like mm. meat, fish, poultry, et cetera, you're going to be missing some of those essential amino acids. Right. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. To know. yeah. So it's not a complete yeah. meal replacement in that sense, but it's probably going yeah. to balance out some of those sugars, you know, when you're having yeah. a smoothie. 
Yeah. Because it can be hard to find protein powders that are compliant with whatever diet Mm. we're on. And that was kind of new to me. I was like, oh, Mm. I didn't realize that wasn't a complete protein Mm. until recently. Um, so just something to be aware of, Yeah, yeah no, that's you know, good. I know a lot of yeah. people use pea protein, pea kind of falls into that gray area mm. with paleo yeah. because it's yeah. technically a legume. legume. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but a lot of protein powders have whey and yeah, dairy and things that, yeah, I think that's probably why I've kind of not been on the smoothie bandwagon as much as I have mm-hmm. been in the past, but yeah, totally open to having them with the collagen as you know, if I was going to have one, have it with the collagen. And I, I, yeah. I have plenty of other animal proteins. So I'm, you know, I think on a personal right. level, I wouldn't be too worried if the collagen wasn't the complete protein because I know right. I'm getting enough of it other Same. times in my day. So it probably just depends yeah. on. Oh, I'm still totally at, at yeah. I don't think you're going to do any harm by adding it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, but that's good. I didn't know that yeah. about that. I mean, I, um, and it's still also. very, you know, all those like the gut healing oh, and there's and so many of those and, building yeah. blocks of, you yeah. know, the skin, the hair, the nail mm. support, the gut yeah. support and all of that is so mm-hmm. awesome about collagen. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, um, yeah, I always learn something new when I'm talking to people. So that's, that's good. Um, Ginny, I'm going to let you go because you've got dinner to have and a night to have with your family. Uh, and if I don't end it now, I'll keep talking to you forever. Uh, so, uh, but I really want to thank you so much for all. Yeah for your time today, for all of the information you've shared, the, the recipe ideas, the health tips. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun um, sharing this uh, over the next, uh, you know, once it comes out. And I know people are going to get a lot of, um, you know, really positive and practical information from it. So thank you. I hope so. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Annabelle. This has been super fun and so such a pleasure to meet you and, and connect. So thank you. Yeah. And um, look, I will put all of you know the links for how to connect with you, Ginny, in the show notes. But I know you're a hypothyroid chef on Instagram. Is that sort of the best social yes. media for, for people to follow you? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram yep. at hypothyroid chef. Yep, no space. Yeah, and, and otherwise uh, it's hypothyroidchef.com is your website. Is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So connecting with Ginny, we were saying before too that, Um, you know, email is a great way to connect with us because social media is becoming a little more, you know, hit and miss sometimes. So I'm sure you've got um, ways for people to connect by email with you as well. So please do that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Annabelle. Yeah. Thanks, Ginny. My pleasure. Well, yeah, I've enjoyed adding you to my um, thyroid friend (laughs) group. So thank you you very much. Awesome. All right, Thyroid Thrivers, hope you've enjoyed this special episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites featuring the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast hosted by Annabelle Bateman. She's an awesome resource. I'll put the links in the show notes so that you can check out her podcast and her resources as well. All right, we'll see you next time.